Well, good morning. Welcome to Elgin Baptist Church for our Sunday morning service. We welcome you wherever you may be watching from. At the beginning of John's Gospel, we read these words concerning the Lord Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The wonder of the incarnation that God would come to us in Christ. Our opening hymn reminds us of that great truth. You're the word of God the Father from before the world began. And our second song reminds us that it is in Christ and Christ alone that our hope is found. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As we come to you this morning in prayer, we thank you that we can come to you, the Creator God. We thank you that the way into your presence has been opened up for us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who is our great High Priest, whoever lives to intercede for us. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells all who believe. And so this morning we come to worship you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We confess before you our sins, Lord, and we thank you that with you there is forgiveness. We count our blessings and we realise how blessed we are. We thank you for all your provision and all your protection. We thank you that you give to us even the very breath that we breathe. We pray, Lord, that we would ever be a thankful people. We pray this morning for those, Lord, who are grieving. We pray that you would minister into their very souls this day. That they would know the great truth that you are the God of all comfort. Lord, that you draw near to the brokenhearted. May you speak words of peace and comfort to them at this time. We pray for those who are struggling in whatever way from the effects of the coronavirus. It may be uh, in a health way. It may be because of their jobs. Lord, we pray that you would speak into their situation. And we pray for an end to this virus which just continually seems to refuse to go away. We thank you that you're the God who is in control of each and every situation. And we pray for our nation at this time. We pray for those in authority. We ask that you would grant them wisdom and discernment. We pray that you would remind them that it's righteousness alone that exalts a nation. And we pray you would forgive us for the way that we have erred and 
moved away so much from the foundation of your word. And as we gather, we just pray, Lord, that you would draw near to us, that you would help us to lift our voice in praise, that you would give us ears to hear and a mind to respond to what you are saying to us. So come, Lord Jesus, meet with us and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, boys and girls, I wonder if you have ever in your short life ever had to be rescued. I can think of at least four times in my life when I was in danger and when someone had to come to my rescue. And I'm going to tell you about one of these times. It was not long after I had passed my driving test and I had got my first car and my friend and I went off on a run down to the beautiful coastal town of Largs. And on the way home, I was coming up a big hill that brings you out of Largs. It's called the Healy Bray. And because, and this is a warning, because I wasn't being as careful as I should have, my car went off the road and we landed in a ditch. Now, this was the days before mobile phones. I know you might find that hard to believe, but there was such a time when mobile phones didn't exist. And my pal and I, we just sat there in this car, stuck in the ditch, and we didn't know what to do. And as we sat there for what seemed like ages, a man drove up and he stopped and he got out of his car and he says, can I help? And I said, yes, please. And so he went into to the back of his, of his, his Jeep, it was, and, and he pulled out a rope and, and he put the rope on, on the back of, of his Jeep. And then he tied it onto the front of my car and he pulled me out of the ditch and away home we went. We were so grateful to that kind man. We didn't even know him. We didn't even know his name. Mind I tell you that story? Well, boys and girls and everyone else, that reminds me of what Jesus has done for each one of us. You see, the Bible tells us that we all need to be rescued. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, we have been separated from God. And so we need somebody to come and to save us and to rescue us, to kind of pull us out of the ditch. And that person is Jesus. And when we trust in him, he becomes our saviour, our rescuer, and our friend. We're going to sing a little song that reminds us of that, and it's called The Salvation Poem. We continue our studies in uh, First Thessalonians, so I invite you to turn with me to chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 6 through to verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 3, beginning at verse 6. 
But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So reads God's precious, holy and inspired word. Before we look together at the verses that we've just read, we're going to sing another hymn that invites us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in the preaching of it and in the listening of it. May we all have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's probably worth just doing a little recap and reminding ourselves that the last time we, we looked at uh, Thessalonians, we noted that Paul had genuine concerns, even fears, for these young Christians at Thessalonica. He was concerned that the trials that they were facing would, one, unsettle their faith, verse 3, and two, that the tempter might have succeeded in tempting them away and that all of Paul's hard work might have been for nothing. And we see all that from verse 5. He is absent from them. He longs to be with them. He longs to care for them, to, to instruct them, to nurture them, to pastor them. His greatest concern is for their spiritual well-being. And let me just say that in the current situation which we are all undergoing just now, where we have not been able to meet together regularly, where we've not been able to pray together regularly, where we've not been able to encourage one another to fellowship, let me ask you, how is your spiritual life? You see, COVID has robbed us of many things. It has instilled in many a fear. It has caused physical and mental and economical damage. But there is also, brothers and sisters, I believe a real danger of it causing spiritual damage. It can be all too easy to get into bad habits just as it is good habits. 
to, to get used to not going to church or the prayer meeting or the growth group or reading your Bible. And I encourage you, as I do myself, to, as Graham was sharing with us uh, last week, to keep on going on. Keep on going on. And, and, and this time that Paul spent away from the Christians at Thessalonica really, really burdened him. Indeed, he, he could stand the worry and the concern no longer. And as we saw last time, he decided to send Timothy in order to strengthen them and to encourage them and to report back to the Apostle Paul of how they were getting on in their faith. And verse 6, verse 6 begins with that wonderful little word, but. And scripture is full of little incidents like this. Incidents where while on the one hand things seem and indeed may even be very, very difficult. And, and, and we don't, we, we just can't see what is going on. But behind the scenes, God is doing something else. Because God's plans and God's purposes will always be, be carried out. And, and I don't know, I can't be sure, but it seems to me that while Paul waited for, for this report to, to come back, he must have been putting himself through the ringer. We know that he was worried. We know that he was concerned. We know that he feared for them. And I am so grateful for the amount of times in Scripture we read, but. When, as I said, despite what is happening or appears to be happening, God is at work in the background. Uh, think, for instance, um, think back to the story or the, or the account of, of Joseph and, and, and of how his brothers kind of threw him in the well and, and, and made up this story that, that, that he had been killed and, and they go back to their dad and they give him the robe and, and, and there is Jacob standing mourning for his son. It's just a terrible situation. It's almost unbearable for Jacob. Yet we read in Genesis 37 verse 36, Meanwhile, but, yes, this was happening, but something even greater and bigger was going on that would eventually lead, in, the, in Joseph's case, to the saving of many lives. We don't know what God is doing at times in the background. We are to trust him. Or, or think uh, even beyond Joseph and to, to even greater than that. Think, think on Peter's powerful sermon on the day of Pentecost. When he, when he speaks there of the life, the work and the death of Jesus. Whom as he says clearly you put to death. And, and, and when they put Jesus to death they thought that was it. That was him gone. Yet we read in Acts 2 verse 24. But God raised him from the dead. Something else was happening. And like many, you may be going through a hard time just now. You may be caught up in a particular crisis. 
and there doesn't seem a, a, a way out. Everything seems helpless. Everything seems hopeless. Well, hold on, brother, sister, to the meanwhile. Hold on to the but God. Graham was making the same point last week in relation to Jeremiah. Jeremiah probably felt, or Paul probably felt something like what Jeremiah did. And in verse 11 of chapter 20 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was able to say, despite everything that is going on, the Lord is with me. But the Lord is with me. Friends, we will come through this. Hold fast. Don't be unsettled. Don't be tempted away. God somehow, some way is working his purposes out. And our call is to trust in him. I just feel I wandered a wee bit away from where I was going to go initially. But I just feel that this is a word that God's laid in my heart for many this morning. We're all getting weary, aren't we, of continual restrictions. Of worrying when will things improve. When will we be able to, to gather together to praise and to fellowship and to reach out? Well, brother, sister, hold fast and trust that God in his sovereignty knows not only what will happen, but when and how. But God. Two very simple headings to look at back to the texts. Firstly, there's Timothy's report, and secondly, there's Paul's prayer. Firstly, Timothy's report. Paul, we know, was in Athens by this time. He is all alone, which in itself is, is hard. And so as Timothy returns with this report, it must have been such an encouragement to him. And I notice what we are told. Timothy has come and has brought good news. And, and, and the scholars point out, rather interestingly, this is the only time where the word used here for good news does not refer to the gospel. I think that's important. And I think that shows us just how much this good news meant to Paul. As you read the verses there, you, you can almost sense the huge sigh of relief that, that this news brings upon him. As he heard this news of them going on in their faith, it's almost as if he must have done, yes! Yes, he must have shouted. They are still going on. They have not been unsettled. Their faith is standing strong. And also notice how Timothy mentions their love. He, he was sent initially to inquire about their faith. But it would seem that as Timothy went and spent time with them, it would seem that while their faith was going, Timothy was also impressed by their love for one another. And it's worthy of mention. Let me just say, brothers and sisters, that faith in Christ and love for his people are two indistinguishable marks of any, of any genuine church of Jesus Christ. Timothy goes on to tell Paul that just like Paul longs to see them 
so they also long to see him. They have pleasant memories of this godly man. They have not believed the lies told about him. There is a mutual love and a mutual longing between church and pastor that is so important. And it seems to me that all of Paul's fears are washed away as this report by Timothy comes and refreshes him and encourages him. Well, look at the language that he uses in verse 7. He, he says we were distressed and persecuted, yet now we're encouraged. Why is he encouraged? Because others are going on in faith and in love. Or it is such an encouragement when people grow in their faith and in their love. Let me just say the also, the, sorry, the opposite is also true. When those who started and showed great promise drop off and drift away. But that wasn't the case with the believers at Thessalonica. This report brings real encouragement to the apostle. Verse 8, he says, for now we really live. It's as if he has found a new lease of life. It's almost as if he has been saved. Well, we know he was so worried and he was so concerned, but now this report comes and now he can get back to living. And notice the reason. Notice what it is that thrills him so much. Because you are standing firm in the Lord. Their spiritual standing and progress are what really thrills the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I'm sure he enjoyed their company. But it was their faith in Jesus and it was their love for one another that really encouraged them and brought them, as he says in verse 8, to life. You know, the Apostle John said something similar. When he writes in 3 John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And in verse 9, we see that the outcome of this is thanksgiving to God, something that we have seen at least twice before in this letter. How Paul thanks God that these Christians are growing in their faith. Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your love for your fellow brother or sister? Does it thrill you when you see others doing it? As a pastor, as, as, as a parent, as a grandparent, I, I have found this really challenging. What is it that, that, that really encourages me? What is it that, as verse 8 says, makes me really live? I, I enjoy the company of others. I really miss not regularly meeting with you, brothers and sisters. And like Paul, I long for that time again. But to see people walking in faith, to see people standing firm in the Lord, to see them progressing in faith and in love, growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus is the greatest of all. And when you hear, as Paul does hear of that happening, it is indeed like cold water to a thirsty soul. What a report card that Paul, that sorry, that Timothy brought back and how it so 
encouraged Paul. We were looking at the need, weren't we, on Thursday night at the prayer meeting, we were looking at the need, the command from Hebrews to encourage one another. Well, Timothy's report certainly encouraged Paul. Secondly, from verses 10 to 13, we read of Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer. It was a few years back now, some of you may remember, that, that we looked at a short series on the prayers of Paul. And, and I mentioned then, and, and I have mentioned since, that actually when you study the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, they are always for the spiritual well-being of those whom he is praying for. And as we look at this prayer, we see three things. He prayed regularly for them. He tells them night and day we prayed. He prayed earnestly for them. And he prayed specifically for them. Let me ask, does that sum up our prayer life? Are we regular? Are we earnest? Are we specific? Most of you will know that um, last week, uh, Susan, Susan and I were on, on the island of Lewis uh, for a week's break. We had a great time. It was just what we both needed. There was beautiful sandy beaches with, with next to nobody on them. Uh, there was rugged, at, at times, desolate countryside uh, there were single track roads everywhere that there was howling gales and while we were there we, we both did more than usual than what we do on holiday we, we did a lot of reading and a lot of the reading that that we that we carried out uh, was related to the revival that God in his grace and mercy poured down from heaven on that island in 1949. And as we read the accounts of it, and as we visited places that had seen such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we, we both just longed for God to do it again in our day. And what I came away with, what we both came away with, and what God has been impressing on my and, and on, on our hearts ever since, was the way the people of God regularly, earnestly, and specifically prayed. Most of you know the story, but it's well worth repeating. Initiated by Peggy and Christine Smith. 84 and 82 respectively one of them completely blind the other bent over with arthritis yet these two sisters in christ these two prayer warriors were so burdened by the, the spiritual state of, of, of the little village barvis that they called out to God. They prayed believing God would pour water on the thirsty lands and streams on the dry ground. Oh, brother, sister, may he do it again in our day for his glory. 
and prayer was essential then. Prayer was the catalyst then, and it will be the catalyst today. And here Paul prays four things for these believers. He tells them, and he tells us, that he prayed night and day for them. He prays that God would supply that which was lacking in their faith, that they were new Christians. They needed continually taught. We will see next time Paul in chapter 4 speaks to them about how they should live in order to please God. And it shows us that we should always all be learning. We are or we should always be growing in our faith. And, and, and one of the ways that we grow is through trials. Don't miss the opportunity for your faith to grow when trials come your way. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. And Paul prays that their faith might grow. And guess what? If you were to turn to, to 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, we see that that prayer was answered because Paul writes there we ought always to thank God there's there he is thanking God again for them we all we ought always to thank God for you why because your faith is growing more and more this praying works <laughs> then he prays that that our God and Father and our Lord Jesus may make a way clear for us to come to you now, I couldn't find any clear evidence that actually Paul did make it back to see them. But, but certainly the desire on his part was there. However, that kind of serves to show us, does it not, that if, if he didn't, not all of our prayers get answered as we would necessarily want. Yet Paul was happy to bring this request and leave it with God. Then thirdly, he prays that the Lord may make their love increase and overflow for each other and, and for everyone else. You see, love is a defining character of our faith. We are to love as we have been loved. How have we been loved? We've been loved unconditionally. In John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus gives us a commandment to love one another, even as I have loved you. It's a command. It's not an option. It was said of the early church, see how they love one another. And Paul prays that that love would increase and indeed overflow. And guess what? Because once again, this prayer just for their love, just as for their faith was answered. Because in the same verse, 2 Thessalonians 1.3, it goes on to say, 
and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Paul has prayed for their faith to grow. Paul has prayed for their faith to increase. And to Thessalonians, we then see that that prayer has been answered. And notice, you see there how Paul says, may the Lord make your love increase. May the Lord make your love increase. You see, when we make the Lord our focus, when we realise his love for us, then it is so much easier to love others. There's, there's an old saying that says this, to dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, oh, that's another story. We may smile, but when we know ourselves truly, we know how hard it can be to love. Let me just remind you in relation to that kind of little ditty there, that one day the saint that that, that um, the saints below will one day be the saints in glory. So let's love one another now. Let's care for one another now. Let's encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds. May our may our faith grow. May our love increase. And then Paul prays in verse thirteen that their hearts may be strengthened. This really, brothers and sisters, is a prayer for holiness of life. And as I said, he'll pick up more on that in the following chapter, and so I want to just leave that for next time. But notice in passing, although it's important, notice what Paul uses as the motivation for living this holy life. The return of Jesus. Paul says, may he strengthen your hearts so that when, when, not if, so that when Christ returns, as he surely will, we might be blameless and holy. The words of an old hymn come flooding into my mind just now. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let me just say that it is important that you are ready for his return. And the only way that that is possible is by repenting of sins and then trusting and following Jesus till he comes or till he calls. Timothy's report brought much peace, encouragement that led to praise to Paul because his fears were allayed. Brothers and sisters, may we know what it is to trust God and to know that he is working even when at times we don't understand. And may we all know 
each one of us. May we all know what it is to pray regularly and earnestly and specifically. That together, together, our faith will grow, our love will increase, and our lives will be holy. Father, we thank you for your word. May we be a people of prayer and of purity. And may you work in us what is pleasing to you. Amen. Our final hymn reminds us that it is Jesus who has paid it all. And it's all to him we owe. And now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and forever. Amen. Well, I want to thank you once again for, for listening in to our service. It's been my prayer that you may have been blessed. And if you would like to know more about either us as a church or much more importantly about what it means to be a Christian today, then please do get in touch with us. Uh, the details will appear on screen. But uh, God bless and thank you very much.